right, so here at episode 7 of the First and Long podcast. Uh, it's a fun one this week. We have Hector Rodriguez on from Last Word in College Football to talk a little bit about the Florida-Georgia game this weekend. Um, returning this week is some college football and NFL picks with Corbin at the end of the show. We went a little bit long on that one this week, so I'm going to not talk here, and we're just going to hop into the interview here in a moment and then hop into that. Um, I do want to mention that in the coming weeks, uh, we're going to be rebranding the show a little bit, changing it over to the Second Along podcast, and be bringing on a co-host. Um, so that'll be fun. Be a little bit of chatting there. He will be joining us on the pick segment at the end of the week, or at the end of the show every week. So that'll be a fun addition to the show. Um, we're going to go and hop in with Hector Rodriguez. He is the Florida Gators reporter for Last Run College Football. He also covers Gators baseball for a couple places. Just does a lot of coverage of Florida sports. So we're going to talk to him about this weekend's matchup. All right. So I always like to start by allowing you to introduce yourself. Can I tell us a little bit about yourself? So if you want to just go and hop into that. All right. So hello, my name is Hector Rodriguez. I am the baseball analyst at Gators Territory, while I'm also cover the Florida Gators on Last Word on College Football. Uh, obviously, we have a huge game this weekend, the Georgia-Florida game. It's going to decide who wins the East this year. Uh, how important is, is it for Florida to win this game? Um, this is a season-deciding game, in my opinion, because you already lost to Texas A&M. That was definitely a game that they could have lost, and they did. But LSU doesn't look as good as they did in the beginning of the season. And the rest of the schedule, it looks like Florida should be able to handle the rest of the teams that they play. So if they really want to reach their goals, which were to make it to the SEC championship and further, then this is a this decides their season. You know, their goal was to get to that point. And, you know, if you win this game, your chances of making it, of reaching your goals go up exponentially. Right on. And then what can Georgia fans expect this weekend? Obviously, Georgia's a little bit banged up on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Florida's missing a couple of players for the first half after that brawl. Uh, so what can Georgia fans expect from Florida on offense and defense? Well, on offense, you can expect a high-powered offense, offense that's going to like to throw the ball, spread the ball around. Um, there's two guys that really stand out um, in the receiving game is the tight end, Kyle Pitts. He is I, – I don't think it's a conversation anymore – Best tight end in college football. He's a complete mismatch, six foot six, 240, 245 pound tight end. Um, you know, can play as a receiver, but can also block pretty well for a tight end. He's a guy that, I mean, look, Georgia's out, Richard um, LeCount. I think that's a guy that probably would have matched up well with him. And now that he's no longer available for the game, you know, thankfully he's all right after that motorcycle accident. It's going to be tough. I mean, you're going to probably have to put a corner on him. Tyson Campbell, he might be able to match up well with him size and speed-wise. But at the same time, you're also going to – you now one of your weaker corners is going to be covering a guy like Kadarius Tony. Tony is – I don't know how to describe him because Tony is very electric. He is – he's kind of a human joystick. I mean, this is a guy that that can make moves that I that you rarely see from other guys. And he, you know, he's got pretty good speed, but his agility and his quickness is what really, you know, sets the tone. He's always been a very quick and twitchy guy, but this year he's become a better, a much better route runner. He's actually running routes. In the years before, he wasn't, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't much of a route runner. I mean, there was a in the last game he already just broke. 
kind of broke one of the Missouri corners' angles and was left wide open for a 35-yard touchdown pass. Um, he's a guy that they're going to get the ball to him a lot because of what he can do with the ball in his hands. He can turn um, a gain of one into a gain of 20 to 30 simply because of how you know elusive he is. Last game, he had a big game, probably his best game in his collegiate career. Um, had four catches for 60 yards and two touchdowns, but also had three carries for 23 yards and a and rush for a touchdown. When it comes to the running game um, on offense, there's, you know, Florida really hasn't ran the ball that much. However, they do, when they do run, it's like running by committee. It's usually the junior running back out of Georgia, um, Bainbridge, Bainbridge, Georgia. Damian Pierce, he is he's usually the lead back with redshirt freshman out of Carroll City High School, Nate Quan Wright, and also another running back in Blake Davis. Those are usually the three backs that do most of the do most of the work. And then you know you have Kyle Pitts, who has you know has had a has had a tremendous season, over already over a thousand passing yards in four games. He's got 18 touchdowns, only two interceptions, and both those interceptions, you can argue, weren't even his fault. One was tipped, and the other one, um, the receiver ran the wrong route, and there was miscommunication. And the corner made, and I remember who it was. It was a corner from South Carolina, um, Israel Mukam, who I can't pronounce the guy's last name, but he made a really nice one-handed interception. But yeah, Kyle Trask has been really, you know, really impressive this year. He's definitely taken the next step. And you could see that he's playing at that graduate level um, at the quarterback position. Right. And then you kind of touched on uh, Trask and Pitts, obviously. And they're kind of, you know, the story of this team. Everyone talks about the Kyles, you know, playing well together. Is that something Florida really saw coming into this season? Did Florida fans really expect that? Or it kind of take Florida fans by surprise like it did a lot of the college football fans? It didn't take us by surprise at all. It didn't take Florida fans by surprise at all because he was really good last year. He was a guy that once Kyle Trask became the starting quarterback, I think in the first game, first drive, Kyle Trask becomes the starting quarterback of the Gators. Um, he throws a touchdown pass to Kyle Pitts over the middle. And you could see he's a very long rangey guy. He's somewhere. He's somebody that you can throw the ball up to. And chances are he's going to come up with it because of just how big and athletic he is. So it's no surprise. The thing that might be surprised is just what kind of miss, you know, how good he's been. But there's no surprise that he has been the main point of this offense. Right on. And then we touched on the strength on strength because obviously Georgia's strength is defense. So that's going to be the side to really keep an eye on. Um, on the other side, though, Georgia's offense hasn't been the best this year. Florida's defense has been, you know, touch and go, some games better than others. Um, what can Georgia fans expect on the defensive side of the ball from the Gators? Yeah, well, it depends what Florida defense comes out because last game was their best game. And they were very, very, you know, low on guys last game because, you know, they just had a COVID outbreak. They were out a couple guys for undisclosed reasons. And a lot of those guys were in the secondary. They were all three starters, um, Marco Wilson at corner and two safeties, Donovan Steiner and Sean Davis. Now, Sean Davis is the Gators' best safety. However, the other guys, the, the young guys that were right behind him, played extremely well. You know, it was almost like they didn't miss him especially at the cornerback position. They had um true sophomore out of Alabama, Jaden Hill. He came in and he locked things down. Kyrie Elam is a name that he's the guy that's going to be covering your number one. He had his best game. I think he had like three pass breakups. He, you know, he's a tall, lanky, um, rangy guy. I think, I think he was like, Georgia was like very in his recruitment. I think when it came down to it between Florida and Georgia, 
I think Florida won, Florida won out, and a lot of that had to do with um, he is the nephew of former first-round pick from the University of Florida, Matt Elam. And so that's what you're going to expect. The defensive line, they're going to be missing Zachary Carter for the first half. So I can expect um, maybe Andrew Chaffield fill in for that. And or you know they surprised me. Um, true freshman out of Texas, Princely Umana Milan. This is a guy that, I mean, he made his season debut last Saturday, and he he impressed everyone. Everyone who watched the game was like, "Wow, this guy's super quick off the line. This guy can really get to the second. You know, can put pressure on a quarterback, and he can also do a good job of defending the run. Um, the defense, the tackles." You know, you're going to have Kyrie Campbell. You're going to have TJ Slayton. Both those guys played extremely well. So those guys are going to be tasked with stopping the run. And they also have a very good run-stopping linebacker in Ventron Miller who has taken over that David Reese leadership role that, you know, Reese has been the leader on that defense. He's been the quarterback of that defense for three years. And now it looks like Ventron Miller is taking over that role. And then at the other – we call it the Buckeye – they call it the Buckeye Florida, the Buck position, which is just the other side of the weak side defensive end. It's a name that Georgia fans are very familiar with. It's going to be Brennan Cox. Now, Brennan Cox has been has been hit or miss in his first few games at Florida. His first game was phenomenal. Then he was kind of okay the rest of the way. And then, last, yes, on Saturday, he had – he was very good. And a lot of that had to do with that he was playing his natural position. He's been playing – Strong side defensive end, and that's just now what he is. When they moved him to his more natural position, you could see he looked a lot more comfortable. He played quicker, and he was setting the edge, something that he was not doing um, earlier on. I think I think this defense really, you know, it's hard to say that they benefited from a COVID outbreak, but I think what they did was, you know, they really they realized what they were doing wrong. Um, one of the players, you know, I can't remember who it was, but one of the players came out and said, like, hey, we hear what you guys are saying um, on Twitter when you say we're doing this wrong and that wrong. And, like, hey, you know what? You are absolutely right. We were doing that wrong. So, and the coach, Todd Grantham, identified that, and they made the adjustments for the Missouri game. And they completely dominated the Missouri game. I mean, Missouri scored 17 points. One was up the – seven was off of pick six. And then the other 10 points were in garbage time because at one point it was 31 to seven, I think – you know, and heading into the fourth quarter. So there was plenty of time. So Florida started putting their backups. And by the end of the game, um, you had two or three walk-ons in the secondary. And that's the secondary is always already depleted with talent because of what had happened. And then just quickly, I want to touch on kind of what's happened so far this season. Um, been an up and down season for Florida. Had that loss against Texas A&M. Um, obviously, one of the bigger storylines this past weekend was the fight against Missouri. Uh, so I kind of want to get your thoughts on the season so far and then your thoughts on what happened this weekend and the fallout afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 2020. 2020 is such a weird year. So you can expect weird things to happen. I mean, you know, if you, you know, if you, I mean, you, you're, you as a Georgia fan, you probably know that Florida has always been a, has usually been the past few years, very good defensively while their offense has questions. This year, it's been it's been the complete opposite. Their offense is averaging over 40 points a game while their defense, you know, is averaging 29 points a game. I mean, that's something that you rarely see from a Florida defense. I think it was the first time in over a century that in their first three games of the season that the Florida Gators gave up 100 points. So that was something wild. Um, the COVID outbreak that happened at UF, 
you know, they they got a bunch of guys sick. Um, luckily, n- none of them were very serious. Um, I, from what I know, no one was hospitalized. Everybody was. I'm dealing with ace or asymptomatic or not very or mild symptoms. So that was good news on that part, including you know Dan Mullen and I think two more assistant coaches had gotten it. But from what everything I've I know, um, everyone was okay. They just had to social distance and you know kind of get rid of the virus. And then the fights, um, it started because of a late hit on Kyle Trask. A lot of people say it's a cheap shot. It kind of was. I mean, he hit him late. And also, Trask was already kind of finishing his throw, and then he got hit. So, And the reason why it got bad, it got ugly, was because the ref didn't throw a flag. If, the, if there's a flag thrown, nothing happens, you know, and they dust, him, dust everybody off and, you know, 15-yard penalty from the 35, they probably try another Hail Mary because they were playing with their backup kicker in Chris Howard, who was perfect on the day, good for him, um, made every single extra point and went two for two on field goals. But, I mean, Mullen was just there defending his guy, and there was a lot of other offensive linemen that was defending his guy. Mullen ran onto the field and Bart was barking at the head of the, white, the referee with the white hat. And he was pretty much telling him, like, hey, you missed a flag. And he admitted after the game that he didn't actually see him. However, he heard from the sideline. Everyone at the sideline was like, hey, they, hey, they, they hit Kyle late. And the reason why Tr- Mullen wasn't, didn't notice it was because he was watching the ball in the air as it, was being thrown, as it was being thrown to Kyle Pitts in the top right corner of the end zone. But And then that's when he got mad. And also some of the Florida offensive linemen were jawing at the Missouri players because – they didn't like the fact that their quarterback got hit. And then the fight goes on, and, you know, they got to be separated. Mullins walking back to the locker room, makes a U-turn, gets lets the crowd know, like, hey, let's get pumped up, let's get loud, and then heads back into the locker room. And honestly, I think that, you know, it's going to – it costs Dan Mullen $25,000, but, I mean, he could just pull a Lane Kiffin and pay the SEC in $2.5 million pennies for all he cares because his team looks so much better in the second half and you could see especially in the offensive line I mean that was that sent a message to them you know when they saw their quarterback on the ground and then it really got it really got them going and they probably had their best half of the entire season so right now Florida's coming off their best game of the season and they're probably feeling very a lot more confident. I know Florida fans are a lot more confident about them about their team heading into this game than they were a week or two ago. Yeah, and Georgia fans definitely aren't feeling that same confidence after um, two more interceptions from Stett and that 14-3 to win over Kentucky. Um, and then I wanted to get your predictions for this weekend. What are you thinking on this game? I haven't thought of a score prediction yet. I usually do that. I usually write my – pre-game article for last word on college football on Wednesday. And at that point I'm starting to look at it, but I haven't really thought of a, of an exact score yet. However, you know, the way Florida's defense played to me, I think they, you know, and also the scheme changed. Like they were like in the first three games, they were playing a lot of off coverage. I mean, there were times that it was third and five and you see the corners like seven yards off. It was like, what are you doing? You, you know, get up in his face. This time you could see that they were playing a lot more press coverage. They were really, you know, trying to jam the receivers, trying to screw them out of their, um, trying to get them out of their routes. And also 
Um, Missouri's game plan that game was to, you know, run the ball, kill clock, keep Florida's offense on the sideline. However, Missouri couldn't do that. I mean, Florida's defensive line had played so much better, and a lot of that had to do with the return of Kyrie Campbell because Campbell was out the first three games of the season, and he him coming back now means that Zachary Carter can play his natural position and Brandon Cox can play his natural position, and those guys could play more comfortably and they could play um, more aggressively and they could play quickly, more quicker, Ugh, quicker, no, more quicker. But – but, yeah, I mean, it was just – it's just something that this defense looked a lot different, and I think a lot of that had to do with the scheme and also the return of Kyrie Campbell. Now, Zachary Carter will be out that first half. However, knowing Zachary Carter, that second half, I think – I don't think he's ever going to come off the field because he's going to feel – because he's going to be – he's going to be going at 100 miles per hour because he wants – he wants this game. He won this game as a true freshman, but he didn't play. Um, that was the last time Florida won his freshman year. He's a retro junior. So he's experienced three years of loss of loses. So I think he's gonna be com- I think he's gonna be coming for it. And I think Florida wins. Florida wins in a close one. And if you would have told me a week ago, I thought I would have told you that Georgia wins by seven or ten. But with the way they looked against Kentucky, the questions they have on offense and also the all of a sudden, like Georgia's defense is all banged up. Um, I think this really benefits Florida, and Florida knows, like, hey, we're playing against a Georgia team that might not be 100%. We are we're fresh because, I mean, we just had two weeks off. So they're going to – I think they're going to be a little bit more amped up to play. And also, let's face it, Florida – you know, Florida has um, – Florida hasn't won this game, so they have the edge when it comes – they're going to have a little bit more of an edge than Georgia because Georgia has dominated this series at the last three meetings. So – Florida and this is this might be also this is not might be this is definitely Mullen's most talented team, especially on the offense. Um, and then I always like to close out by getting my guest playoff and Heisman predictions for the season. So playoffs, um, I it's going to be Clemson. I th- I even without Trevor, I think they still win against Notre Dame. I'm you know Notre Dame usually does pretty well against the lower lower level teams, but then when they play against a big team, um, they don't usually play up. To it, even though Trevor's out, um, that DJ kid looked really good. I mean, he did not look like a true freshman. They still got Etienne, who is without a doubt the best running back in college football. And yes, I'm, I, I put him over Najee Harris, even though I I like Najee myself. Uh, then you got Alabama. I think Alabama continues to roll. Um, no Jaden Waldo, no problem. You know, Wald, having Waldo makes them a lot better, but uh, but they, there's just so much talent, Alabama. I, for some reason, think Ohio State makes it. And I think it's because people are going to just know Ohio State's just at a different level. I think when you look at college football, there's three teams that are at the top, and that's Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. I think those are that's a tier of their own. And then after that, you get some really good teams. And Oklahoma State lost, so I don't think a Big Ten, Big 12 team is going to do it. Pac-12, don't even get me started. They're, they're not going to be in it. So I think it would – maybe a Notre Dame or the second place team. So whoever wins this game might be also playing, might be playing themselves for the college football playoffs because they might pick the runner up for the, in the SEC to be the fourth team, especially if it's like a two loss team, but those two losses are to a like Georgia 
their losses would be to two top 10 teams in the country. Same thing with Florida. So those losses would be like, oh, those are good losses. Um, you know, those are tough games. And was the Georgia game on the road against Alabama? Yeah, it was in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, same thing. It was the So then they would say, oh, it was on the road too because the Florida game was in College Station. So the, the playoff committee would definitely give uh, either Florida or Georgia, whoever wins this game, they give them a pass for the loss because they were playing against a very good opponent and playing them on the road. Um, and then who's your Heisman pick? I got to go Mac Jones now. I think these two weeks without Trevor kills him, kills his chance. I don't think kills him, but they definitely hurt. And Mac Jones has just been playing so well. However, I will put Lawrence number two. And I think the I think college football just wants to this give this guy the Heisman because of how good he was as a true freshman. You know, he couldn't get a lot um, as a true freshman because he didn't play the entire season. Um, his sophomore year, I think he was the favorite, but then Joe Burrow came out of nowhere and just lit up the college football world. So it was a no doubter that you had to give it to him. So this is supposed to be the year for him. However, now he has COVID. And he's going to be out two games. So it's going to be tough. Luckily, the ACC does play 11 games. So he's going to have nine while the SEC has 10. So, it, you know, and also the con- that includes the conference. So it's going to be um, 11 games for the SEC when you- and 10 for Lawrence. So Mac Jones is going to be one. Najee Harris should be one. Um, Kyle Trask is should be one. I mean, w- when you look at his numbers, he's averaging over four touchdowns a game and throwing for close to, I think, over 300 yards. So I don't think he wins it, but I think he might make a trip. And also Justin Fields, even though he's going to play a low amount of games, everyone knows that kid is so freaking good. And I know there are Georgia fans that are listening to me right now that they their, heart, their hearts are hurting right now <laughs> because Justin Fields, if it wasn't for Trevor Lawrence, he would be without a doubt the number one overall pick because he is he's such an accurate passer. And he can also – the way he runs, to me, I see Deshaun Watson him. I think he could be the second coming of Deshaun Watson. I think he could be a better version because of how accurate he is with the ball. Deshaun might be a better is, – is a better runner, but I just like the way Justin Fields plays. And I was I was a fan of him since high school. Yeah, I'm definitely big on Justin Fields. I was having this conversation with some of my friends the other day about uh, whether or not he's going to be successful in the league. And, like, you know, they're arguing that he's just a mobile quarterback. But when you watch him play, like, it's obvious that – He's got the arm of a pocket passer while still having the mobility to be able to make plays when he needs to. So I think he's going to be one of those top-level guys once he gets into the league next year. Yeah, I mean, I think he only has six incompletions on the year. Like, and what you know, that, like that's just stupid. You have six incompletions. <laughs> and it's not like you're playing, um, you know, it's not like you're playing South Dakota State or – or some random school you're playing against. Penn State at the time was, you know, you're playing power five programs. Mm-hmm. Now Penn State isn't as good as, you know, they were all, everyone was thinking of. There was no Micah Parsons, you know, putting pressure on Justin Fields. However, you still got to be, you still got to come away impressed with the kid because, I mean, just like a last year, I think over 40 touchdowns and only two interceptions. And one of them was actually, no, it was three, one in the regular season and then two in the college football playoff. Yeah, he's definitely one of the more talented guys. Um, just want to thank you for coming on. Always fun to talk about the game before the week. Absolutely. Um, and looking forward to a good game this weekend. Oh, man. It's, if if it's not a good game, it, again, just blame 2020. Blame <laughs> 2020 if it's not a good game because, the, I mean, let's face besides that ass whooping in the last game, the last game of the Jim McElroy era, 
I mean, since Mullen has arrived, the games have become a lot closer. I think his first year, they lost by two scores. Last year, they lost by one. I think it was 24-17, the final score. And this year, we'll see. I think it's going to be another close ball game. But if it's not, easy. 2020's fall. Because these are (laughs) all two very good teams. (laughs) These are all two. These are all, you know, I think these two teams are definitely top ten. Top ten teams. Yeah, and 2020 had to give us all these injuries right before the game. Just had to do it to us. <laughs> I'm just glad that Richard Kidd's all right because he's such a good player. Yeah. And he's, he's definitely going to be playing on Sundays. He's definitely. I mean, he's probably going to be a first or second round pick. Yeah, he's he's probably like one of the top better safeties in this. I mean, I don't think there's that many like safeties like in this draft class. It, you know, you got to look at him. There's probably Bubba Bolden out of Miami. Um, the Javon Holland kid out of Oregon. And then outside of that, I mean, I can't name another safety unless it's like Sean Davis. But if Sean, he's going to be like a – he'll be like a day three round pick because even though he's great against the run and against the pass, he's not he's not the best. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. Look forward to this weekend. Yep. Have a good day. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Thank you once again to Hector for coming on. Always fun to talk a little bit of college football, especially when it's a game as big and important as this one is. Um, But on that note, we're going to go ahead into the weekly picks with Corbin Nicholson. This week was really fun. Uh, One of the more fun weeks we've done. Going to hop in and go through our college football and NFL picks for this week. All right. So here we go with our fifth week of picks, I believe is what it is. Um, We got a full slate this weekend. The Pac-12 returns, but unfortunately we don't have any Pac-12 games on our schedule because there's not really any good games. Um, everyone else is back in, back in full swing again, and we're going to start on Friday night. Number nine, BYU goes on, goes on the road for a Mountain West game. They are three-point favorites at number 21, Boise State. So I was, um, I was really looking into this game pretty heavy. I have a professor right now that's a BYU graduate. And uh, I'll send him the link to this this podcast. Maybe he'll check it out. Who knows? But um, so he he's talking about it today in class. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson for Heisman. That's what he brought up. And uh, I, I won't go as far to say that Zach Wilson's going to win Heisman. I wouldn't go as far to say that he's a top three quarterback in the nation right now. But I will go as far to say that I think he's going to run all over Boise. He's right now sitting at a little over 2,100 yards, completing 74% of his passes with an 11-yard average, um, with a 50% third-down conversion and averaging 44 points a game as an offense. I think Boise doesn't have a bad team. They're that, they got that 2-0. and Jack Sears is rolling in at 82% on 23% or on 23 attempts. They are a little bit limited as far as how many games we've had to really take a look at Boise State here. Um, I, I think the biggest issue for Zach Wilson is going to be uh, Riley Wimpy. At linebacker, in two games, he's got 11 solo tackles. He's playing very well, very athletic, and I think we'll see him in the league very shortly. So I am going to take BYU to cover that spread. I think that spread's kind of insulting to Zach Wilson and the offense as a whole, but I do like BYU in this matchup. I would probably have to agree on this one. Um, the I think the biggest thing, obviously, is going to be Zach Wilson. Besides that, it's going to be Boise's um, defense. They gave up 30 last week to Air Force. Uh, that's an Air Force team who the week before only scored six on San Jose State. 
Um, San Jose State doesn't really have, you know, that dreaded defense you come up against. So for an offense that struggled one week and then to come out and put 30 up the next week kind of shows that Boise, they do have a good offense. That defense isn't quite what it is. So it's going to be a shootout. Um, I don't think you want to get in a shootout with Zach Wilson, though. He's too good. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Zach Wilson in the Heisman chase this year and see him in New York for the ceremony. Um, ultimately, Do I don't think, think he's what, getting close to winning it. What's your scenario where Zach Wilson – what would Zach Wilson have to do, or is there anything Zach Wilson could do to outperform Trevor Lawrence and or um, Justin Fields for, for this instance in time? So right now, Trevor Lawrence is still my favorite right now for the Heisman. Um, Mac Jones you, and Justin Fields are definitely really close seconds. Well, do you I think, think it's sitting gonna, out a couple games is going to hurt that statistic and argument of Trevor Lawrence over? I think it'll hurt him against Mac Jones, maybe. I don't think it's going to hurt him very much against Justin Fields since Fields already has a shorter schedule. Right. Um, Mac Jones is playing one less game already, so it'll be – It'll bring them almost even. Mac Jones will have one more game in the season, so it's really going to come down to their stats at that point. Um, I think for Zach Wilson to win it, though, you'd have to have CX some kind of insane collapse from those two, from those three, because Fields is ahead of Wilson at this point, too. You'd have to see some like major collapse out of those three, like just coming out and throwing five picks in a game or something like that. Um, I think Zach Wilson is a top five guy in the Heisman race right now. I think we could see him in New York at the end of the season taking that trip out there to be part of the ceremony, but I don't think he's a legitimate candidate for it right now. Um, that being well, said. Have, as far as the Heisman race goes, I do have Zach Wilson sitting at number four. Um, Mac Jones, I like him in top three, but I am going to put him third behind a Justin Fields right now as where the season stands. I think Justin Fields, you got to take into consideration the, the adaptability and the ability to be mobile in that quarterback position when you're acquainting those things, as well as some of the weapons that Mac Jones has that really, really helps him out in that backfield. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, Tanner, yep. sorry about class today. You know, I, I just don't see our boy Zach Wilson winning the Heisman. But Friday, I will bet on BYU hitting the over on, over on the spread. Now, the over-under on this game is 61 points, which averaging 44 points a game for BYU, I don't think that's far-fetched. We haven't seen much of Boise State's offense, so I would bet the over, and I would bet they beat the spread. Yeah, I'd agree for sure on the over. I think it's going to be a shootout. It's going to be a really high-scoring game, um, and I'd agree on the spread as well. I'm also taking Zach Wilson and BYU to beat that three-point spread tomorrow All night right. on Friday night. Moving right along, we got a – Coming off a hard loss, we got Michigan at, at an undefeated Indiana being first in the Big Ten. What are your thoughts on this one, man? Um, so my in-depth analysis I have written down here is both suck. Michigan sucks less. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that typed? Was that in a memo? Yes, format? that was okay. That was uh, Times New Roman, double spaced, <laughs> <laughs> one inch margins. Um, no, I think both these teams, I, th I don't think they're really that bad. Um, Indiana's definitely a lot better than we've seen in le recent years. I don't think either team's going to finish the year in the top 10, though. Um, Michigan's still got at least one more loss coming when they play Ohio State. They're not getting out of that one. Yeah, um, no doubt. Next week, if Wisconsin's able to field a team, that'll be an interesting game to see. 
Wisconsin is going to be at least on their fourth string quarterback at this point. Might, might, I mean, they might not even be able to play a game at this point. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. But, and then Indiana. Indiana had that really close game against Penn State at the beginning of the year. Uh, forced Penn State to overtime and then were able to pull it out with that controversial ending um, with the dive at the pylon. So ultimately, I think both these teams are solid teams. I mean, they're going to be middle of the road, Big Ten this year. I don't think Who do either you think one. Who the Big Ten if you're going to count out Indiana like that so disrespectfully? I mean, it's Ohio State's to win without without a doubt. They're gonna <laughs> they're gonna walk to it. I think so it's gonna be interesting think, to see. Uh, it's gonna be interesting to see who comes out of the West, though, because that's kind of you know Wisconsin's the one that's expected to win the West. But if they miss one more game this season after this weekend, so they're already this weekend's already canceled. If they miss one more game, they are ineligible to play in the conference title game. So that leaves the door wide open in the Big Ten West for someone to come in and try to make a claim to that. But I think no matter what, it's going to be Ohio State who wins the conference overall. Right, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that's indisputable. I think Justin Fields could stop playing tomorrow, and I don't think that would be too much of a <laughs> challenge for him. So yeah. I have written down here um, Joe Milton. Bless his heart. He's he's the Stetson Bennett of the, of the Big Ten. He's having a really hard time. I mean, his long on the year pass is a I believe it was a 32-yard pass, if I can remember correctly. They're coming off a hard loss to Michigan State. That was kind of the momentum going in. Both teams here have only played two games, so we haven't got to see too much of them. But a one-and-one Michigan team, I just do not believe is going to go to Indiana and and beat them. I, I think uh, Jamar Johnson is going to absolutely kill Joe Milton. And um, then Micah McFadden in the in that backfield as well. So I really – I'm not confident about it, but I am going to roll with Indiana on this pick. Um, I didn't have a chance to look at the over-under, but the uh, I think Indiana does cover this spread. For me, um, I'm putting more stock in Michigan's week one game against Minnesota. That 49-24 to went over a top 25 team than I am against a rivalry game that came down to a field goal. Um, obviously, Michigan State doesn't look good. They lost to Rutgers, which is like losing to Arkansas and Vanderbilt combined. Um, I'm, But I'm going to put more stock in that first week than the second week because that is a rivalry game week two. I think they bounce back big this week, and I think they do cover that three and a half against Indiana here. So the over-under on this game is going to be 54-and-a-half as where it sits right now, and I would definitely take the over um, with the lack of ability to play defense that we see in the Big Ten. The over seems to be uh, really rocking for me. So I, I'm i going to stick with my Indiana, um, given three-and-a-half points and the over on this game. And then from there, we head on to a non-conference matchup, one of the very few non-conference matchups this year. Number 25, Liberty, goes on the road against Virginia Tech. Liberty is undefeated on the season and ranked. Undefeated! But they are 14-point underdogs to Virginia Tech. So, uh, I actually was talking to Thomas Aylers. He was featured on the show um, a few weeks back. And last Saturday, he brought up the fact that Liberty needed to be ranked as a 5-0 and team. And 
I like their momentum. I like where they're going. And I, frankly, I don't know too much about them other than the very minimum statistics that anybody can find on ESPN. I haven't actually got a chance to watch any of their games. But what I have watched is Virginia Tech um, play. And I, I, I just don't think there's any way that Virginia Tech wins by 14 points in this matchup. What are your thoughts on it? I'm leaning the same way. Um, I've been big on Liberty kind of making the jokes about 6-0 and national champions. They do still have a road to go if they're going to stay undefeated. They have Virginia Tech this week, um, and then a couple weeks they got to go on the road again to play NC State. they got two ACC matchups in three weeks. Um, and then they close the season at number 15, Coastal Carolina. So that's still three games that's going to be tough for them to overcome to, be, think, to stay undefeated. Do you think the committee – makes the same mistake they made with UCF by putting an undefeated team such as Liberty in the playoffs over no a chance a in loss. hell to go to the playoffs. <laughs> a one <laughs> a one loss SEC school. Georgia could lose out and I'd still give them a better chance to get in than I would Liberty. <laughs> I disagree. I think UCF was such a smack in the face being the self declared national champions and beating Auburn in their bowl game that they would have no other choice than to put my liberty in the playoffs. But Virginia Tech. I mean, if I we're mean, going, they're, they're if really we're going group they, of five, Cincinnati's still undefeated too, and they've actually played like real teams instead of nah, middle nah, schools. No, 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 no. Liberty, but liberty, you got to give them a little more respect. Okay, they're working hard. And BYU seven and zero. Well, yeah, BYU. I mean, that's that. No, no one's surprised by Cincinnati and BYU. But when Liberty got ranked, I mean. Geez, the the hairs on my butt really puckered up. Okay, like I, I felt it in the air, like like the little man had a voice finally. So, but Virginia Tech, I mean, really tough loss a couple weeks back against uh, Wake Forest, and then they they lost by um, a very beatable margin against um, UNC back in week three, fifty six to fifty four was was that um that loss there. I, I think uh, they're struggling a little bit in the quarterback position, but uh, Khalil, uh, Bear, Herbert, some people say it back and forth. I, I know it is Bear, but Khalil Bear really, really seems to be making up some slack with uh, 803 yards rushing. So I, I think they would need a miracle, and I like Liberty in this game. I'm also leaning Liberty on this one. I don't think they win it, but <laughs> I think it's closer than 14 get points. Yeah, no, um, no, I'm not betting on them winning. Okay, I'm not betting on them looking winning. At, looking win. at, uh, I would love to see them win. <laughs> looking at ESPN's football power index right now, Virginia Tech is currently given a 90.6% chance to win this game. So, <laughs> uh, And the Falcons had a 99.6% chance of winning the Super Bowl. So, all right, continuing on. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm going to rock with Liberty as well on this one. Um, I think they keep it close, but I don't think they keep it close enough to win. And then going on from there, going down to Jacksonville, Florida for a neutral site game. Um, the de facto SEC East Championship this year, number eight, Florida, at number five, Georgia. Georgia is three and a half point favorites in this one. I'm absolutely stunned that Florida is – not favored in this matchup after our performance last week. I 
I know where you're going to go with this. You're going to crap on the mailman. I'm not going to. I'm a man of the people. Georgia right now, we're in such a tough spot because everyone's mad that Justin Fields is not here. I'm mad Justin Fields is not here. But we're playing the best we can with the cards that we have been dealt. Dewan Mathis, start of the season, he had a shot to play. He really, really made some, some tough decisions, some poor decisions in that backfield and didn't perform to what he did. We put Stetson Bennett in. He's performed pretty well considering. So we've, we've had some tough interceptions come up in some big-time plays. Kentucky, we saw two interceptions. One, you know, you got to make better decisions. The, the other one, we have to have better communications with our wide receivers on their route running. I think he's the best that we have based on the information that we have. Now, I don't see every practice. I don't see every ounce of game film. But I would like to see some rotations come in for the young Dewan Mathis because the reality of it is he's the future of our program um, for the time being. With that being said, I think with the loss of our banged-up defense and Richard LeCount, he it's confirmed at this point that he is out for this game um, due to a car accident, and our thoughts and prayers are with, are with him. But him being the backbone of that defense, being out, we've got a couple other big injuries coming off that Kentucky game. I think Kyle Trask is going to have a field day. And as much as it breaks my heart to say, and I hope I'm wrong, but I think Florida beats this cover, this spread. So two weeks ago, I would have 100% been hammering George on this one. Um, I would have been saying, you know, definitely going to cover that spread. Three and a half is too low. And I, like, I've made my thoughts very well known on Stetson Bennett. I've talked about him on almost every single show so far. Um, me and Hector Rodriguez talked about him earlier today when we were previewing the Florida-Georgia game in this show. So for those of you that don't um, know, Eric and I are polar opposites on everything <laughs> So if I say I want, I want it to be cold outside, Eric wants it to be hot outside. And I think that's why he asked my – my little uh, – I'm trying not to cuss on this show, but my, that's why he asked me uh, to do this show. So we got into a very heated argument Sunday about Stetson Bennett, and I think that's why he's walking on eggshells because he doesn't want me to cuss on this show. But <laughs> I think we both can respect the fact that Kyle Trask is a great quarterback, and we are not the strongest in that quarterback position. Sorry. Continue, Eric. And then kind of what we – kind of what I talked about with Hector earlier um, – this is one of the best Florida offenses we've seen probably since Tebow was there. They haven't had a very good offense in a while, and this offense has been absolutely electric so far. They lost one game on the road at College Station. It's always tough to win at Texas A&M. Um, like I said, a couple weeks ago, I would have definitely been saying Georgia's going to win this one. They're going to cover easily. Not so certain this week. One, we had that tough, tough performance at Kentucky last week. We should have won that game by a lot more than we did. Um, even if you take the Stetson Bennett out of the Stetson Bennett equation out of this, um, which you obviously can't, but even if you take that out of it, the defense is just not in a place right now where we can slow down for, we've already played one electric offense this year and we saw what happened. Um, and that was with the full strength offense this week, this week, we're going to be missing Julian Rochester towards ACL and is done for the year. We're going to be missing Richard LeCount, obviously who's out after that motorcycle accident. Um, and there's a couple other names that we're missing on defense. It's just going to be, uh, overall, it's going to be a banged-up defense. We are deep on defense. We do have one of the more talented defenses in the whole nation. It's You need your defense to be at full strength, though, if you're playing against 
Florida, if you're playing against Alabama, if you're playing against Clemson, and it's just mm-hmm. not that way. Um, on the flip side, Florida's defense has not been great this year. It's usually the other way around. Florida's defense is usually pretty good. Their offense is usually pretty scrubby. Um, other way around this year, defense hasn't been great, so hopefully we can play into that. Let the uh, three-headed monster of James Cook, Zamir White, and Kendall Milton get a lot of touches and really gash that defense a little bit. We're gonna um, have we, to. We're gonna have to run the ball. We are gonna have we, to run the ball. We can't throw it. <laughs> and, we um, can't go out there and try to throw it all over him because we've seen what we've seen what happens when we try to put the game on Stetson's shoulders. This run game is really good, and so that's one thing I hate is the fact that we can't put the game on Stetson's shoulders. Really, um, I really like Monken's offense. He's ran everywhere else, but when you have a less talented quarterback you can't really run that as often um i think if we had a guy in there that you know well let's not i don't think we should throw around less talented i think inexperienced is the word no i'll throw less talented (laughs) okay we'll we'll settle we'll compromise and settle on less talented um i think if we had a guy that's better in there even if it wasn't you know like a world beater if he was an above average quarterback I think Monk could could really make this offense shine. Um, hopefully, we can set not, it next year. I do not see us winning if our defense can't come up with two turnovers. Defense is gonna have to be huge, and that's looking like an issue with the injuries. Um, I really, really, really hope I'm wrong on this. I just don't think I am. <laughs> um, the the defense is just scaring me with how they're hurt hurt this week how the offense couldn't score against Kentucky. Um, I really hope we keep the ball on the ground. That's going to be our best chance at putting points on the board and keeping the ball out of the hands of Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts. So I'm just really hoping we, you know, go back to a classic Georgia offense and just run the ball down the throat every down. Um, I mean, let them stack the box and then we can throw a screen or something because Bennett can throw screens. <laughs> hey, I he can throw screens. I like, I like, I like <laughs> screens on screens. I, I I got confidence on that at least, um, but yeah, I'm gonna take Florida as well at three and a half on this one. So we're gonna move mm-hmm. on to our. Are we calling this a game of the week? Yeah, this ACC is definitely the matchup game of the week. Oh God, I'm insulted. So, um, <laughs> have they announced uh, Trevor Lawrence is gonna be out this week? Correct. Yes, Trevor Lawrence is out. So that's. But even with Trevor out, that DJ, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his last name. Um, he he looked good last week. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to hear. I want to hear you try to pronounce his last name. I can't even go. I can barely pronounce Tua Tagovailoa. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm for this. I'm, I'm, no, I need you to pronounce his last name. I'll spell it for you. <laughs> it's DJ. <laughs> yep. You. Uh huh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm gonna just stick with DJ. Yeah, yeah. Oh, DJ. <laughs> that boy DJ, he looks good. Um, it's if ETN can play a little bit better than he did last week. I mean, he didn't play bad. He had that one fumble that cost them pretty big when Boston College took it away back, but he didn't play terrible at all. He's still a Heisman candidate. Um, but if him and DJ can, you know, step it up, play good, this should be a pretty easy game for Clemson to win. I think Notre Dame's a little bit overrated this season. They're going to pick up a loss here, and they'll pick up another one when they play Clemson in the ACC title game. Um, so it'll really come down to whether or not you see 
two losses for Notre Dame against Clemson or two losses for Georgia against Alabama if they get past Florida this week uh, to decide who will be that number four spot in the playoffs. Um, but overall, I think this one is one that Clemson can win and win by a couple scores. Uh, I mean, obviously, Trevor Lawrence makes you a lot better. Trevor Lawrence was in here probably a 15-point game, 20-point game. Um, but the DJ kid looks really good. So I'm going to rock with Clemson for sure on this one. Yeah, I, I don't have too much to add on to that. I think, I mean, DJ, he last week he didn't play terrible. He completed seventy percent of his passes. I mean, he was he he's not a terrible player. In fact, I I'd probably sell a kidney to have him here at Georgia. But I think Clemson's <laughs> defense has got to step up a little bit. Uh, Balin Balin Specter played him in high school. Great athlete, great competitor. Super smart um, in the position, and I think that's what really sets him aside. But uh, Clemson needs him to have a big week. I think uh, Nolan Turner, he's rocking on the season with three three interceptions, and that defense has got to play just a little bit better than they did, not make as many errors and stay away from penalties. For, by all means, stay away from penalties. So I think that's going to be the key to it, but I think Clemson walks away with this pretty easily. And then kind of adding on to that um... – ETN, I said he needed to step up. Really, he just needs to not fumble the football. He fumbled it once last week, but he still had – he was still averaging four yards a carry, got a touchdown on the ground and a touchdown in the air, and he led the team in receiving yards. So he's going to be big for this team if they're going to win this game. Um, DJ, in that first half, you could tell he was a freshman, kind of – he was poised when he came in, but, you know, kind of had a couple moments where he looked a little bit rattled at some points. In the second half, though – it was where you could really tell he's a five-star. He didn't look like a freshman anymore. He came out there and just balled out. Um, I often yeah, this one's been compared to a five-star. Man, I get compared to like a negative five-star sometimes. So that's <laughs> I think I should be playing at Clemson. <laughs> All right, so moving on into the our NFL matchups for the, for the day. Um, so starting off, we're going to be rolling with – well. The Thursday night football game, right? That's uh, Packers favored by seven. They're going to play in San Fran. Packers going to smash that line. Um, the 49ers right now are playing with no Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, no George Kittle. They only have one There's receiver on the active roster. Confidence. I, I don't say that in the last name with Garoppolo confidence either. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Um, they only it's have like Worcestershire. Like, like no one says Worcestershire <laughs> sauce with confidence. All right, I'm sorry. I'm not drinking before we record anymore. <laughs> yeah, so no Jimmy G, no George Kittle. Um, only one wide receiver on their active roster is available to play on Thursday. <laughs> so I really don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> um, they just traded Quan Alexander off the defense too. So <laughs> I, I really don't know how Green Bay is only a seven-point favorite in this one. Um, it's going to be... I have nothing to add. Uh, Packers win. <laughs> it, it's definitely not going to be one of the better Thursday night football games we've seen. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I don't know how it's a seven-point seven point game. Uh, I would also bet the under on this. And then going on from there, Sunday morning, the Seattle Seahawks go on the road to play the Buffalo Bills. Seattle is three-point favorites for this one. I was actually kind of surprised to see uh, Seattle only favored three points. I think uh, the Bills – I Josh Allen has surprised me. I must admit, 
I was a hard Josh Allen uh, critic, and I still am. I mean, I think he's – I mean, five interceptions. He's catching up to Tom Brady, but, hell, Tom Brady's <laughs> deemed greatest in the league, apparently. So, I really think uh, – I think Josh Allen's got to stop his turnovers. I I think they're going to have a hard time coming off of some, some tough losses these past few weeks. Uh, Kansas City, understandable. Tennessee, understandable. Um I'm not rooting for Tennessee anymore. They traded my boy Isaiah Mack. He's he's going to New England. I don't know if you saw that. Or man, not. I'm re- yeah, I'm re- I love rooting for Isaiah Mack, but the Patriots, man, come on, <laughs> come on, what the heck, man? <laughs> I'm not even a Falcons fan, and I can't root for the Patriots either. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I can't bet on the Bills. I'm gonna say the Seahawks cover the spread. Russell Wilson, he's a fiend, man, no doubt about it. <laughs> Hey, see that five interceptions for Jonathan Allen? I'll raise you one. Russell Wilson's got six in the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, well, how many more? Look at co- compare completion, right? <laughs> compare <And> touchdowns. <laughs> touchdowns. Oh, okay. Wilson's got 26 to Josh Allen 16. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think Russell Wilson's MVP. That Wait, was my many, one note I wrote down here. To be fair, Josh Allen does have 277 attempts on the season. <laughs> I didn't realize that. The they're not running the ball at Josh all. Josh Allen throwing. Yeah, Josh it. Allen. They're running a spread. They're pulling everybody out. Josh Allen's just back there in concussion central, and he is just throwing everything. It's he got what, that Brett Favre yeah, special. Way through the season, and Josh Allen's got 300 attempts. Good lord, I'd probably have five interceptions too, and I'm a five-star quarterback. He got that Brett Favre special. Just yeah, let him go out there and slang the rock around a little bit. <laughs> um, I think Russell Wilson's an MVP candidate still. In fact, that was my one note I wrote down for this game was Russ for MVP. Uh, I think he's still <laughs> probably the guy. <laughs> That's my in-depth analysis here. I really have to <laughs> dig the deep. The going to call any second. <laughs> and I've been watching those uh, those Brooks Austin's t- – the uh, I've been watching those Brooks Austin tape – things so that's where i'm getting this in-depth analysis from yeah that's where i'm getting this in-depth analysis from um russell wilson mvp besides that though chris carson's look solid this year uh dk dk metcalf is non-human um the man was made in a lab or something i'm pretty sure i think the seahawks on this one pretty easily i think this one's more than a three-point game so i'm gonna go with the seahawks to beat the spread as well And then on Sunday afternoon, we have the Miami Dolphins going on the road, going out to the suburbs of Phoenix to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona is four-and-a-half-point favorites for this one. Uh, so I was – I honestly um, – I really struggled picking this game. I, I really do think that uh, Arizona – what what was the spread in this one? I'm sorry. I got my notes got all jumbled up here. Arizona's minus four and a half in this one. Yeah, so I think the Cardinals are gonna cover that spread. I think they're I mean they're second in the NFC West. They've haven't I mean Kyler Murray, I, I really like him at quarterback. He's been playing really well. I think they've got some some tough losses. Uh losing to Carolina, a very average team, uh Detroit. Very average team, but they did beat Seattle in overtime, and I I think Seattle is one of the better teams. So I do like the Cardinals in this matchup, but I I'm not too confident about this one. I'm also going with the Cardinals here. 
Um, again, my in-depth analysis on this one, it says Kyler is electric with a little lightning bolt next to it. Um, <laughs> Kyler Murray is a guy that I think is overlooked a little bit. Um, definitely not one of the like elite passers in the league, but what he can do with his legs back there in the backfield is really incredible. He can really make plays. Um, I believe, last time I checked, he was leading the team in rushing touchdowns and was almost leading in rushing yards as well. Um, I mean, really, he's going to be – he's the guy on offense. The reason the I'm Cardinals. scared uh, about calling this game, it's – believe it or not, it's not Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's it's Tua in that backfield, and he, he's kind of gotten his little seat legs going. He got a little touchdown in there. He's playing pretty good. Um, some, some risky throws, some very risky throws, but he's he's connecting, and I – I'm not sure. I'm anxious to see how he plays uh, this weekend against, uh, I would say, an average team. But they are coming off some big wins. Uh, they beat the 49ers by great margin, shut out the Jets, and then uh, beat the Rams last week. So it'll be an interesting game. Uh, I'm Again, I'm not confident merely because of that Tua um, perspective, but I think the Cardinals do cover the spread. So the biggest thing for me in this one, and I've talked about this one um, with a couple friends, is I think Wait, Kyler. You have, have those? Just a couple. No, oh, okay. Not many. <laughs> um, I think really to beat the Cardinals, you have to have a very athletic line or a very athletic linebacker. Um, the Dolphins don't have that. Kyle Van Noy is probably their best linebacker on that team, and he is not – a super athlete by any means um to beat them you need a guy like tj watt you need a guy like jj watt even though jj watt's a lineman you need a guy like tj watt you need a guy like i would say ryan kerrigan but he got toasted um you need one of the really elite linebackers in the league and you don't need just a good coverage guy you need a guy that's athletic to be able to stop kyler the Dolphins don't have that. I think Kyler runs all over them, and I think the Cardinals beat that four-and-a-half-point spread pretty easily against the Dolphins. Um, following that game, Sunday Night Football, the New Orleans Saints go on the road to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And Brady and co. are five-point favorites. I think this is going to be a really fun game because you're going to watch two veteran quarterbacks, but I think what it's going to boil down to is how comfortable – Drew Brees is at this point in his career. He's playing on a team that he's been playing for for years. Tom Brady, we've seen him rattled lately. He doesn't seem too comfortable in the pocket. He doesn't seem too confident in his wide receivers. He doesn't seem too confident in the coaching calls that he's getting. You saw him very upset um, about a decision to not go forward on fourth down uh, Monday night. And I, he, he seemed to voice that very publicly. So it's just – I think there's a lot of friction. There's a lot of problems going on inside that team that are greater than, than football. I think he doesn't feel at home there. So I think that team chemistry is low. I'm going to roll with the Saints on this one because of that. I'm also going with the Saints. Um, underdog pick here. Tampa Bay is coming off a rough week against the Giants. Um, and to add to that, it's on a short week. Uh, I think the Tampa Bay, the big thing that could really be the wild card here is Antonio Brown getting his first start for the Buccaneers. 
Um, that just adds to that, you know, plethora of weapons that Tom Brady's got back there to throw to and to hand off to, for that matter. I think New Orleans pulls this one out. Um, if New Orleans does pull this one out, I saw this somewhere, this would be the first time ever in Tom Brady's career that he's been swept by a division opponent in a season. So, I mean, that's pretty insane for a guy that's been in the league as long as Tom Brady. Brady's definitely not having his best season. Uh, but on the same coin, Breeze doesn't have anywhere close to his best season either. I don't think either one of these teams or guys are going to make deep runs in the playoffs. Um, I think they're both, you know, divisional round exits. But I'm going to go with New Orleans plus five in this game. I think they're able to not only keep it close, but I think they're able to win this one. And then on Monday Night Football, we've got a premier matchup. Um, the New England Patriots <laughs> are seven-point favorites in MetLife Stadium against the New York Jets. So I think the the Jets are just really banking on a first-round draft pick. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you thought the Jets were going to win. I was like, hold up. <laughs> no, 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 man. I do have two eyes and a TV. So <laughs> I am going to bet on the on the Patriots, even though I mean, geez, man, it's like it's like you can bet on you can bet on breaking your leg or breaking the other leg. So I I'm going to bet on the two and five Patriots, and I can't believe it. Uh, I can't stand Cam Newton. I can't stand Cam Newton, and another reason uh, I can't stand Cam Newton. But I am going to I'm going to roll with them on this. The Jets I'm going are, the are cruising for first round. <laughs> I'm going the same way. Um, I was high on Cam Newton those first couple weeks he came out. Now he has two touchdowns to seven interceptions. Um, but to be fair, he does have six rushing touchdowns as well. He's, you know, kind of doing that Kyler Murray thing with worse passing. Um, basically got a fullback back there playing quarterback. But at the same time, the Jets got fullbacks playing every position pretty much. Um, Jets are one of the worst teams we've seen. And I think even if they get the number one pick and get Trevor Lawrence, who's a generational talent, I still think they're at best a two-win team next season. It's just Whoa, a really bad team. All... <laughs> that's that's a top Lawrence, end right there. <laughs> that's, that's a hot take. Write that it's, down. They don't have any receivers to throw to, really. Hot and they don't have there. a line to protect him. I think that's going to be the biggest issue is Trevor getting hit just on repeat next season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, so going back to my in-depth analysis I've written down here, it says okay. minus seven, Jets trash. Okay, so, yeah, that's just <laughs> making sure I get the. Uh, how long did it take you to write? How long did it take you to write that? A few hours. Uh, it it took me a couple hours of game tape review. Really had to see you know, yes, yes. how this team looks. Play-by-play play analysis, <laughs> uh, going through the quarterback's progression, all crucial. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, you know, I had to make sure I was finding the right cam so I could see all 22. Um, yes, uh, yes, agreed. Took a lot of deliberation, but ultimately came to the conclusion that Jets trash. So. so let's roll into what seems to be the only reason that you can keep up with me. Uh, what are your locks for this this week? Uh, I think this week I'm going with Clemson at minus five and a half, and I'm going to go with Green Bay at minus seven. So I'm going to go with BYU, and I'm thinking I'm going to go um, with the Packers as well. Right on. 
So that wraps it up for this week. Should be an interesting week in college football, at least. Um, I mean, there's a few good games in the NFL this week, but not not on the level of what college is, I don't think. Should be interesting either way to watch the whole weekend of football. It'll be fun to watch. It'll be good to see. Game of the week, Friday night. Heard it here first. Zach Wilson, BYU at Boise State. Big win. Eric, it's been a pleasure as always. It's probably been well, the game of the week is going to be on you. Saturday. No, 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 no. I just Liberty I just, goes to Virginia Tech. Oh, oh, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> Can't count with the Flames, man. As always, it's the been Flames, a pleasure. right? Probably more of a pleasure for you than it has been a pleasure for me. But <laughs> absolutely love being pleasured in my podcast. When our I mean, podcast hits a thousand listens, Eric has agreed he's going to shave his beard. Uh, oh, he's going to said that. Gonna, <laughs> so I might trim the, like a half an inch off of it. Oh god, dude. I I saw Billy go down the road and he said he you stole his beard. <laughs> Man, I got that whole uh the Duck Dynasty shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll catch you later. All right.